Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Harry. I'm going to share a little bit of background on Kenya. But uh, before we begin, let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to share about the work that you are doing in Kenya. We thank you for Graceway Church and the ways that we have been able to support the work there. We pray for your Holy Spirit to be present here as we share so that people would be blessed and want to see it for themselves. And may you receive all the glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So 10 years ago, I was sitting at my parents' home in New Jersey, and my aunt and uncle were sharing about their ministry, Bethany Mission of Kenya. And as they were sharing their testimony and showing pictures, something happened. I felt this overwhelming desire to go and see what was happening there. So in July 2009, Graceway, formerly known as Praise Church, sent 15 members of our congregation on the first mission trip to Kenya. Fast forward to 2019, and we've been able to send six mission teams to, to Kenya to be part of the work there. It's been a really amazing journey for myself and for our church over the last 10 years. A little bit about the Lees and Bethany Mission of Kenya. The Lees were sent by Bethany United Methodist Church in Wayne, New Jersey, one of the largest Korean churches um, in New Jersey. They started their ministry in Nairobi in 2001, and they were actually teachers there. They moved to Mombasa, which is on the southeast coast of Kenya, uh, and started a church and school there in 2006. So while the nation of Kenya is majority Christian, that's not the case on the coast of Kenya. So the mission of Bethany Mission of Kenya is to share the gospel to Muslims through children and youth ministry. They're located in a town called Matuga in Kwale County, which happens to be the poorest county in the country. Matuga also happens to be 95% Muslim. So over the past 13 years, they planted churches, built wells, worked with local public schools, built a medical clinic, and provided leadership training and computer classes. There are a lot of great things happening through their ministry there. Some numbers for you. They've built a 650-member church in a Muslim stronghold. Uh, they've also created an elite K-8 school. Um, a little bit about the school. In Kenya, there is a national exam for eighth graders, uh, which is like the SAT on steroids here. It really is make or break for these kids um, and could alter their life trajectories based upon how well they do. Uh, that test score lives with them for the rest of their lives, and they can't retake it like the SAT. Uh, in 2017, Bethany Christian Academy had their first graduating cohort of eighth graders. Out of 20,000 primary schools in Kenya, they rank second in the country. Um, this is in Kwale County, uh, the poorest county in the nation. In 2018, last year, their eighth graders ranked fourth in the, in the nation based upon their eighth grade test scores. Um, they're hoping to be number one this year. The test is in October, so we'll keep you posted uh, in terms of what happens. But these kids are really brilliant. Uh, they just needed the opportunity to unlock their potential. I believe they're the future leaders of the country. Maybe one will become president of the country one day. For those of you who are doing the Bethany sponsorship, you may be sponsoring that kid. You never know. Slide three. So Graceway has been doing a lot of 
uh, a lot to support the work in Kenya. Outside of the missions trips and student sponsorships, the church provides an annual gift of $10,000 to Bethany Mission of Kenya. And through the generosity of members of this church, uh, we were also be able, we also built and furnished Simba Secondary School's chapel, which you will see in the video. A primary reason why it was important for us to go this year was to dedicate that chapel. Next slide. So what did we do in Kenya? It was a shorter trip this year. It was more of a vision trip. We dedicated the chapel. We did VBS with the school, attended the church Friday night prayer meeting, and we ran Sunday service. This year, we also flew to Lamu Island, which is closer to Somalia. There, the Lees are hoping to establish a church plant led by Pastor Doreen. Uh, Pastor Doreen is a native Kenyan, and those of us who have been to Kenya know her well. She's fantastic. Uh, we also stayed at a hotel for a night, the Paponi. If you are ever in Lamu, we highly recommend it. It's, it's great. Um, so Pastor Dave and Lisa will share a little bit more about Lamu, but that is probably the toughest place to establish a church in Kenya, but that's the vision of the Lees. Next slide. So we already have a date for next year's trip. It's Thursday, July 2nd to Saturday, July 11th. That includes two weekends and July 4th. And so you only need to take six days off of work for those who are working. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to provide like a two-page fact sheet just to, to share with you for those who want to explore the idea of going. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, another note, my uncle may be retiring in 2021. So this might be one of the last trips you can go. So it's now or never. Um, <laughs> Possibly. There's nobody that came back from a Kenya trip saying that was a bad trip. Uh, if you want to be blessed, if you want to gain an eternal perspective, then come and see what's happening. You know, I know it's not easy. I get easily distracted with life, work, family, kids, fantasy football. <laughs> I guarantee victory this year, by the way. <laughs> All of that, while important, uh, pales in comparison to being part of God's work, of his plan in Kenya. And if you go, I guarantee you will catch a glimpse of God's heart for the people there and gain a more eternal perspective. You will soon hear from Sue, Lisa, and Diane who experience what I'm talking about. Uh, Sue and Diane have already signed up Higgy and Victor to go next year. <laughs> I don't know if they've agreed to it, but they're signed up. Um, and I'll leave you with this verse from Colossians 3, 1 to 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Thank you.
Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, so I spent the last few days thinking about what I wanted to share with you today. And to be honest, um, I put off writing this for a really long time because I felt like it was such a big responsibility. Um, and I'm also a procrastinator. <laughs> Um, there's so much I want to share with you about what I saw and what I experienced, but I wasn't really sure how to put it all into words. And um, I just felt that our team had so much to share and so much to convey to Graceway because we were your eyes and ears there in Kenya. Um, but if there's one thing I learned from this trip, it is that all you can do is do your best and then you just have to trust that God will do the rest. Um, so I sincerely hope that despite my uh, nervousness and shortcomings, um, God can speak through me to you. So for the last year or two, I've kind of been in like a spiritual rut. Um, I think a lot of parents can relate to me. Um, but balancing the busyness of work, a long commute, um, the craziness of chasing and raising a toddler, um, all the birthdays and weddings and bridal showers and baby showers and everything like that. And then on top of that, spending most of my Sundays in the tots room, I kind of put my own spiritual walk on the back burner. Um, I was too tired to want to grow, and I knew I could be doing more, and I knew I should be doing more, but I was tired and unmotivated, and so understandably, nothing really changed for me. Um, then earlier this year in March, my mom was diagnosed with an aggressive form of breast cancer. It shook my world because it was just so unexpected and everything happened so fast. God was undeniably there every step of the way and his guiding hand just really made the way for her. And um, she was diagnosed, underwent a nine-hour surgery and was on the road to recovery all within the Lenten period. And um, for me, the craziest part was that she said that she was so, so thankful that God gave her cancer. And this was just, like, mind-boggling to me. But for her, it was that she felt that um, she understood how much God loved her and how much he filled her life with so many people that loved and cared for her. And, I mean, she was inundated with love and care and... Uh, support and prayer and so much, so much food, too. <laughs> um, but her steadfast faith and her unwavering trust in God, that just really humbled me. And it also really challenged me, too. So I wanted to feel God's presence and love in my life again, uh, much more than before. And so I knew there, it meant that I needed to do something more. And so I just kind of was waiting around, I guess, um, and then the announcement for Kenya Missions came around, and um, it was on a rare Sunday that I was actually in service, too. So I struggled with the decision to go uh, for probably the same reasons that a lot of parents here have struggled with the decision. Um, Kenya is far, like so far. Also, it's in Africa, right? <laughs> So, um, I mean, I was, like, thinking so many things, like, how many immunizations do you need? What if I get malaria? Um, could I survive and rough it in Africa? Because, you know, I'm me. Um, would Jordan and Victor be okay without me for a week? 
Um, and then, like, my precious vacation days, like, they're so precious, right? Like, did I want to spend that on a missions trip? And, um, no, wait, seriously, would Victor and Jordan be okay? And, like, I just kept going back and forth with so many things. And, like, that mom guilt, so much guilt, right? So, um, as a working mom, I found uh, there are always a million reasons not to do something, right? And, um, but God placed this conviction in my heart that he wanted me to go on this trip this year. And so when I first cautiously brought it up to Victor, um, his immediate reaction was so encouraging. And he was like, you should definitely go. And he was like my biggest supporter. And I felt like this was the opportunity I had been waiting for. Um, I knew in my heart that God was bigger than all my worries or preferences or inconveniences or anything like that. So I took a step of faith and um, committed to the team. And so, um, and let me tell you, like, that step, or I guess it's like a leap of faith, that has made all the difference for me. Um, Our first morning there, we joined the Bethany kids um, for an early morning service. And as we waited for them to arrive, I prayed that they would be really receptive to us. And then I just prayed that God's presence would be there. Um, They swarmed in and they were like so excited and so happy to see all of us. And even though I felt um, like really shy and really awkward, um, God helped me get over that so, so fast. Um, He swung open the doors of my heart and just flooded me with a lot of love and excitement and happiness, and I was not my own. Um, I let go of me, and I let God in, and it was just kind of amazing. I didn't know who they were, um, but they were so beautiful, and I loved them so much. Just in that moment, I, I, the Holy Spirit just came and like really took over, and it was kind of amazing. Um, the first day was filled with a lot of... Um, big smiles and high fives, but by the end of the week, all the high fives had transformed to, like, hugs and group hugs, and, you know, I had to build my leg strength so we wouldn't topple over, because, like, there was just so many kids and so much love. Um, During that morning's uh, message, also, the pastor said, every day, God is speaking to us, and it hadn't occurred to me just how true that really was, Um, but in that moment, all that became really clear to me, And I wanted to hear him, and I think I was finally also ready to hear him. I was so glad I went to Kenya because it really did reveal something important to me about myself. And that was, it it wasn't just that I wasn't listening to God or I wasn't hearing God, but it was that I don't think I genuinely had the desire or wanted to hear God's voice. Um, Life is pretty easy, and things are so good that I subconsciously didn't really want things to change, so... It occurred to me that maybe God had been trying to speak to me um, in the free moments I did have, but I was so busy um, checking my email, shopping on Amazon, watching Netflix, on Instagram, like doing other stuff that I didn't give him the room or the opportunity to talk to me and for me to listen to him at all. Um, On Sunday, our Graceway team was in charge of the children's Sunday service. And during the prep leading up to the actual uh, service, the missionary Lee had told us that we should expect about 61st graders and 62nd graders, and, like, that was it. 
So we prepped, we uh, brought all these crafts, and we did all this, like, prep work. And then that Sunday morning, he came in and, like, in passing was like, oh, also, um, you need to prepare for, like, the pre-K and the kindergartners, which is only, like, 100 extra kids, so just, that's fine. And so we're like, oh, my gosh. So Sue and I got together, and um, we were trying to think of what to do, and we made, like, backup plan after backup plan for crafts and just things to entertain them. And so that's what we did. And I want to say here that I really think that more moms should go on missions because moms are uniquely equipped to handle all the kinds of ridiculous real-life situations that, um, <laughs> that your kids make you face, really. So um, moms also have like this innate ability to multitask and to, um, I guess, do things on the fly. So for example... Um, I have never sweat so much in my entire life trying to cut 200 cardstock circles with safety scissors for kids. Um, and I got wrist cramps from it for the, like these VBS crafts while also maintaining like, and monitoring 250 kids and their interest levels and then having to break out into an impromptu praise and worship session to like, keep everyone engaged. But like, I don't know, if that's not mom skills, I like, don't really know what is. Um, the Bethany Mission Center also held a prayer night, or Kesha, while we were there. So what is Kesha? Kesha is like a three-hour, um, highly charged night of worship with prayer and um, worship and just praise and all this like intense stuff. And so when the praise team started up, um, a lot of the children just poured out into the aisles to give themselves room because like they were ready to get down and dance. Um, And then when Missionary Lee called anyone who wanted prayer to come up to the front, um, people just rushed up to the front to be prayed for, even the kids. And their openness and desire to be prayed for really broke down the walls of my heart, um, walls that I didn't even know that were there. And so Missionary, Missionary Lee asked our team members to come up and pray for everyone who had come up there, so we did. And as we prayed over the people, I could tell that the Holy Spirit was just like really moving in there. And there was so much thirst, I think. Um, thirst for God, thirst for hope, thirst for like so many different things. And I had just lost touch with all of that until that moment. And as I came to pray for the last woman, um, something incredible happened to me. Um, as I touched her, I just felt everything that she was feeling in her heart. And it was an incredible feeling, and I just knew everything. Like, maybe not the details or anything, but all the heartache and the pain and the suffering and um, the bitterness and just everything that she was feeling, I felt imprinted on my own heart. And I was able to pray over her and pray for her. And I cried out to God while praying for her because of everything she had felt. I prayed and comforted my sister in Christ, who I did not know, but who God knew. And I was able to cry with her, tell her how much God loved her, tell her how much I loved her, and to reassure her of God's great love and faithfulness. So one of my um, fellow team members asked me if I thought this mission trip was life-changing. And um, I feel like we live in a world where people are so quick to throw around that term, oh my God, this food is life-changing, or this Amazon purchase is life-changing, or like, I don't know, we use that so much, so... I really resisted the temptation to be like, yes, it was. But then the more I think about it and the more I've reflected on it this past week, I think it was life-changing. 
the Kenya mission trip was the jolt that God knew that I needed to resuscitate my spiritual life that I didn't even know I needed. And it was amazing. But that's the thing, right? It's only life-changing if it actually, like, really changes your life. So I pray that you guys will keep me accountable, too, um, and that this isn't a fleeting or an emotional high. I um, even debated sending out uh, mission support letters um, before going out to Kenya because... Um, well, pride, but also, like, laziness and fear of judgment and, like, all these different things. But the overwhelming outpour of love and support and prayer really encouraged me and strengthened me in so many ways, and I can't um, begin to tell you how grateful I am for everyone who really covered us in prayer. I'm so grateful to be part of a church that prays for one another and covers each other in prayer. And we definitely knew that people were praying for us because everything just went so smoothly in Kenya while we were there. Um, so I pray that what I've shared today plants a seed of desire in your hearts, maybe. A desire um, maybe to see for yourself what God is doing in Kenya because God is doing big things there. I mean, God's here too, right? But Sometimes it just takes a change of setting or it takes um, somewhere different and pe- different people for you to really respond and hear, to hear God's voice and just really rise to the occasion. So I just really want to encourage you to sign up for um, Kenya next year. It's July 2nd to 11th. Um, So Lena asked me what I was going to share about today, (laughs) and I said, um, I'm going to share about saying yes, and she said, to the dress. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I wanted to share, uh, (laughs) you guys know that show, Say Yes to the Dress? Yeah. (laughs) So um, I wanted to share why I I said yes to going to Kenya, and why you should also say yes. (laughs) So um, it's been a pretty amazing year for me so far. Um, at the beginning of the year, I retired from working, and it took me <laughs> it took me like a year and a half and multiple attempts to finally quit my job, like you guys all know. <laughs> but um, my goal for the year was to rest and reflect and to grow in my relationship with God. So um, for the first few months of the year, that was you know really easy. I took a lot of time to. <clears throat> just to be still and read the Bible and pray. But then the last few months, just I just became so busy again. And I was just as busy as when I had a full-time job. And, um, you know, it's like your time gets filled up in other, you know, other things. And I got so busy with driving the kids to different activities, running errands, <clears throat> housework, planning trips, decorating my house, trying to work out. <laughs> Um, so at the, um, at the women's retreat this year in March, uh, we had a speaker named Pastor Marion, and uh, she gave this example of a jar. So if you have big rocks and you have a lot of small rocks, you have to put the big rocks into the jar first, and then when you put all the small rocks in, it fills into the crevices. But if you put all your small rocks into the jar first, then you won't be able to fit the large rocks because there's not enough space. So the big rocks are the important things that you have to prioritize um, because we all have limited time. 
So one of the applications uh, she gave during the sermon was, you know, resist saying yes to everything. You have to say no to something so that you could say yes to the big things. Uh, but for me, because I say no to everything, <laughs> I wrote down uh, resisting no to everything. Say yes to some things. <laughs> so I said yes to going to Kenya. So um, while we were there, missionary Lee shared his testimony. Um, the Lees, before they became missionaries in Kenya, um, uh, Harry's uncle had a hardware store. And he said that uh, his business started struggling a lot when Home Depot started opening everywhere. And um, he wanted to sign up for a summer mission trip at church, but all the mission trips were two weeks long. And then he said at the time that it was impossible for him to go because, you know, leaving his um, business for two weeks would, you know, really hurt the store uh, because of the state of the business. But after he prayed about it and he took, a, he took a leap of faith and signed up anyway, asking God to make a way. So it was incredible and humbling to see what God has done in Kenya through one couple that said yes to God. So the Bethany compound uh, that the Lees built is unbelievable. Um, in such a poor area where they lack basic infrastructure like water and electricity and paved roads, there is this huge Christian compound with a big church, a school, boarding rooms, like beautiful trees. Um, and <clears throat> the guest rooms that we stayed in had toilets and showers and AC. And then we were even able to get Wi-Fi if we walked like by the missionary's office. <laughs> um, so the Bethany School um, has kids from kindergarten to eighth grade. All the kids from fifth grade to eighth grade board at the school. And there's some fourth graders, too. So their school is run Korean style. They wake up at 5 a.m. They like co start copying the Bible. They have like morning service at 7 a.m. Um, they, you know, the eighth graders are in the cafeteria studying at night when it's late. Um, they take exams every week. They have Friday night, Friday night prayer meetings that they have to attend, and half days schools on Saturdays, and then Sunday they have church and then Bible study after. So um, it's pretty intense, and you could you know see why they excel. <laughs> But um, so when we first met the kids at Bethany uh, Christian School, they really struck me. Their smiles, their affection, their playfulness, um, they're really bright and just eager to learn. So the day before, we had uh, visited Simba High School, which is a local high school. And um, I left the school feeling really heavy because, you know, you see how poor the school and the students are. And you just feel like they don't have any opportunities for the future. But the next morning when we went to the Bethany school, it was just, I was filled with so much hope because they have such hope for the future. 100% of their eighth graders will go to national secondary schools, and then they have, you know, opportunity to go to university. So God is at work in Kenya, uh, starting with these kids. I have deep gratitude that I was able to go and witness it for myself. So on the plane, I was reading uh, Here and Now by Henry Nowen. <laughs> And he talks about the idea of uh, reverse mission. So we went on a trip from the U.S. to Kenya, but there is a reverse mission in happening in Kenya, <clears throat> from Kenya to the U.S. The poor people in Kenya can help convert us, their wealthy brothers and sisters here in the U.S. God uses the people we go to reach to call us to repent and to conversion. Where God's spirit is present, there is a reverse mission, and he is calling us to conversion to set our hearts on God's kingdom first. So... While you are watching the video, if you felt a stirring in your heart, you should say yes. <laughs> Living the spiritual life is hard at home, and there are so many distractions and noise, and life gets so busy. 
but in, and it's hard to hear and see. It's hard to set your heart on God's kingdom first. So um, I just challenge you that if you go, you will get new eyes and new years. Hi, everyone. My name is Lisa. I'm going to, who's on sound? I'm going to go, okay, I'm going to go like this. Um, It's my third trip to Kenya. Um, Before I talk about the trip, I wanted to share with you that I am not supposed to be here today. My whole team knows this. Um, My schedule conflict canceled, and all my backups fell through. So I'm here. Um, um, Even though this talk freaks me out and is a challenge to signing up for missions in the first place. So please forgive me if this is not written well. The highlight of the trip, as Harry described, was when we went to Lamu, looking for the land plots for the new church. So knowing that Pastor Doreen would be moving, like, six hours away from her home, right? I asked her, did you ever imagine you would live in Lamu? And she surprised me by saying, with shining eyes, I've been praying for Somalia, and Lamu is close to the Somali border. So the excitement she had in her voice and that look in her eyes, I was just really struck by her wholeheartedness. Um, The route to the land plots was really an adventure, like clambering into a boat, riding super fast on a motorboat, speeding over like 30 miles an hour, 15 mile an hour chop, um, trekking through mud and grass, driving through lumpy, bumpy roads. At one point, some dude just got in the car. (laughs) Pastor Lee was like, who is this? And then the car discussion about like how close the church needs to be to town in order for people to realistically come. If it rains, like even a 10-minute walk, they might just like not come. Um, one of the plots, Pastor Doreen pointed out to me that she really liked it. It's close to the road, but it's really expensive, so pray for God to move the mountain. There's a port being built nearby, and that's why land prices are just like increasing. So we need to pray. Um, we got to meet the people who live on the land plots as we're going around, and they try to like speculate how big their property is. And at the same time, Pastor Lee has to suss out if they're even speaking to the landowner or just the people who live on the land. It's really different than real estate in the United States. So, um, and after all that, we came back to the road, and Pastor Lee says, "This is the one I like," and it was the same one that Pastor Doreen pointed out to me. They had not previously discussed this. So I'm just struck by Pastor Lee's wholeheartedness over the years that I've been there. And uh, I think every time he says things like, for him, God gives me the mission and I follow. And then everything else comes. So that always stands out to me. And look what's happened at Bethany. Those who've been or those who you've you know, seen from the pictures, like things didn't exist. Whole buildings didn't exist. Even since last time we were there, there was just like four pillars, and now there's an entire structure with a roof and like nice floor that you can have activities in outside. In among the Digo tribe, which is the most difficult tribe to speak with spiritually, um, this is all happening um, because Pastor Lee's wife and Pastor Lee just followed the call. 
So <clears throat> wrapping up the, there's this wholeheartedness verse that I could see constantly coming up since I started prepping like back in November and then spending time with the kids at Bethany and Simba, standing in awe of Pastor Doreen and Pastor Lee. The scripture is Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Um, I was just really taken with seeing wholeheartedness and seeing affirmation that God makes it happen even when it's impossible and that you can have joy. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Harry, uh, Sue, Diane, and uh, Lisa. Um, Our reading today um, comes from Romans chapter 10, verses 11 through 17. Listen now to the word of the Lord. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, for your word. We thank you for the testimonies that uh, we heard this day. And I pray now that uh, in the hearing of your word now, uh, that we would listen for your word. And in the hearing, obey. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the reading, Paul gives us a very simple and compelling line of reasoning. He says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Everyone. So wouldn't it be a good thing for everyone to have the opportunity to do that, to be saved? Wouldn't it be great? Yes? Absolutely. The problem is that there are many people who can't call on the name of Jesus to be saved because they have never heard the name of Jesus. So what's the solution for that? Paul says, send preachers, evangelists, missionaries who will deliver the good news. For Paul, this is a driving motivation of his life. He will write a little bit later in Romans 15, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. He wants to go and preach the gospel to people who have not heard the good news so that everyone can be saved. He wants everyone to have the opportunity to respond to the good news, to hear the good news of Jesus, that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.
I have a seven-year-old nephew who recently wrote a letter to his parents entitled, Bad News. He wrote, I've been thinking about this over the years. I am starting to lower everything about the love, meaning he's having different expectations. I think I've been getting less love. He has a younger brother. Ethan is in, so he is smaller, meaning he's in because he's smaller, he's younger. So he has more love. I think I have less. Love, Austin. When my family read the letter, we thought the writing was so adorable, but also a little sad. So one of my kids wrote back, entitled, Good News. And in it, this is what he or she wrote. I wanted to write this letter to remind you that people love you so much. Everybody in your family has so much love for you. I miss you so much, and I love you very much too. Remember, the Bible says that Jesus loves you so much. So much that it is hard to understand, but it is a lot of love. I thought, how sad would it be if he didn't have someone to tell him the good news that he has loved? I know that for many of us uh, who've been in the church for a long time, it is sometimes easy to forget how good the good news really is. We can also forget how many people today still have never heard the good news, who live in darkness, who do not know that they are loved, loved so much. One of the great side benefits of going on a trip to a place like Kenya is that we get to spend time with missionaries on the field whose lives are demonstrating the goodness of the good news. You know, the actual amount of that work that we actually do when we're on such a trip is really negligible. The actual amount that we actually accomplish is very, very small. That is not why we go. The work is really an excuse for us to go. Mostly we go and we witness what God is doing and catch a vision of how God is working and maybe we can offer some small measure of encouragement to the missionaries by participating in their work for a few days. I know that Pastor and Mrs. Lee would be too humble to compare themselves to the Apostle Paul, but it seems to me that they and other missionaries have the same apostolic spirit and gifting. They have a joyous temperament and the apostolic entrepreneurial gifting of being able to do everything Everything from finding and negotiating land prices to designing and constructing buildings to finding water to fixing all kinds of things that are broken to dealing with local government officials and churches to preaching and teaching to language skills to organizing a school to fundraising and everything in between. But most importantly, they have this singular vision of wanting to proclaim Christ where Christ is not yet known. When the Lees left a largely Christian city of Nairobi and were called to the almost entirely Muslim east coast of Kenya, they had a vision of a string of churches dotting the coast like a series of lighthouses. They met with the local bishop who told them that in the coast there were nine tribes. They were told that the local churches could evangelize and plant churches 
in seven of those tribes, but the two of the tribes were really, really difficult. When they heard that, they sensed that this, these were the people precisely whom God had called them to minister. One of those two tribes was the Digo, located near Mombasa, where you heard about Harry and where they planted the current center. And you heard about the amazing, miraculous work that is going on there. So with that center now well established, the Lees thought it was time to establish a new mission center for the other tribe, the Pokomo. Sounds a little like uh, Pokemon. But it's, the, it's the Pokomo uh, in Lamu. And according to uh, Pastor Doreen, their co-worker, they are even more difficult to reach than the Digo. But that's precisely why they want to go there. And so we, again, as Lisa shared, we had an opportunity to go and visit uh, the sites. Uh, We went to the town of Hindi, which is about as close as you can get to the Somali border currently because the border is closed. And we saw a site that they hopefully are praying for uh, will be a place where they can build. And Pastor Doreen will lead that mission center and she said that God is not, opening, is not only opening doors in Lamu, but that God is opening doors for her and for the country to go into Somalia. For her, Lamu will be the center from which she can then send missionaries to Somalia. Right now, the Kenyans are only allowed to preach to the Somalis in the refugee camps. But she hopes that with the growing uh, changes in uh, the political climate, with the increased flow of commerce nearby with a new seaport that has been built, that the doors will be open for her to eventually go to bring the gospel to a people that do not have the gospel yet. I don't know about you, but you know, when I hear people like the Lees and Pastor Doreen talk about wanting to go to the places where Christ is not proclaimed, I mean, that is, that is an incredible challenge to me. It reminds me to recenter my thinking on Christ and God's kingdom, to expand my heart and vision for the fundamental work of the gospel. I don't mean to suggest that the work that you and I do here is any less important, because every act of love in faith for Jesus brings God glory, and God is pleased with every act of love done in faith. But the work of evangelism and missions to people who don't know Christ should more occupy our hearts and minds, and we ought to dedicate more of our resources to that work. There are people like the Lees and Pastor Doreen who are willing to go and preach the gospel to those who have not yet heard. They are willing and even desirous of going to the places which most of us are unable or unwilling to go. And we have witnessed over the past decade how God is working through them. And so we know that they are worthy of our continued support and our prayers, that we can work together with them so that everyone might call upon the Lord Jesus and be saved. Let me close uh, with just a a few words of thanks. You know, first of all, I'm so thankful uh, for the four people that I got to go on this trip with. You know, I get to um, witness God's work together uh, with people from this church. And for me, there's not much better joy than that, to see um, what God is doing and for us to kind of participate in that. And, you know, for many of you, I've been with you for many, many years, uh, but a number of you, I haven't had a chance to spend a great deal of 
intensive time together doing ministry. And so I, I really value and treasure these times uh, where we're away together for a week uh, doing work. It's a chance for you to see me uh, without a suit for a week. Uh, you see me in all my weaknesses, and I get to discover these incredibly uh, powerful and hidden gifts that you possess. I know that before the trip, uh, there was a joke going around that this team uh, didn't have very much talent, <laughs> meaning the kind of talent that could entertain hundreds of children for hours. But actually, the team was loaded with talent, so much so that we named ourselves the Dream Team. <laughs> Lisa was her usual capable do-everything self. She's adventurous and loyal, and you know she always has your back. Harry, as you know, is an amazing athlete who proved to us that he can still beat fifth-grade boys <laughs> in a shirt 30-yard sprint in a photo finish. You may not have known that he uh, can also preach and perform magic. I really appreciate his heart for Kenya and for getting us involved with this work. And uh, the other thing I'm thankful is that I know I'm a terrible dancer, but when it comes to Kenyan dancing, uh, I think Harry's is at least as bad as me. <laughs> Maybe worse. Diane, I had no idea that Diane is an extraordinary singer. Uh, praise team. Um, and her cheerfulness just drew students to her like a magnet. She's also extremely capable and threw herself so fully into the work and took on so much of the extra work uh, for the team. She has this kind of temperament and flexibility that makes her just a joy to work with. And Sue. Um, as some of you know, Sue lives in a bubble of grace. <laughs> I spent most of the trip shaking my head at her comments. I'm not sure that I've laughed so much ever on a mission trip. I think she has you beat, Jason. She also has a gift for preaching, is extremely capable and dependable, and her simple insights and pragmatic observations throughout the trip kept me well-grounded. Let me read you what one of the kids at Bethany wrote to us to describe this team. To Harry, you are so brave. You are a person who believes in himself. <laughs> she wrote that because when he was about to uh, race these fifth grade boys, nobody thought he could win it except for Harry. <laughs> to Lisa, you are a wonderful woman. You are so smart. To Diane, you are, you are fun and so open and so cute. <laughs> to Sue, you are wonderful and so free. You are also cute in a way not to explain. <laughs> Love you guys. So thank you for the, for the people who said yes and went uh, to minister, uh, to be with the Lees, and uh, a little selfishly, but thank you for your ministry uh, to me. Five of us got to go. Five of us got to see in person what God is doing in Kenya. But we were able to experience these blessings because of the generosity and the sacrifices of the entire church, of all of you. It's been your ongoing support of the Lees in Kenya through your generous and sacrificial giving over the years, as well as your giving to this team that made all of this possible. As you've heard, we have been supporting the Lees, you have been supporting the Lees for the last 10 years or so, and your giving makes it possible for us to support them every year to support their work. 
The leads tell me now that much of the giving that we send them annually will be directed toward the work in Lamu in the coming years. Three years ago when the team mentioned the need of a chapel on the campus of Simba for the few Christian high school students, you responded with the necessary funds of $20,000 almost immediately. And earlier this year when we mentioned that we wanted to provide 200 chairs for the chapel, you gave very quickly and generously for that as well. You also sponsored lunch for 79 students at that high school, making it possible for them to attend school. Some of those students are Muslims, and perhaps that kindness will one day lead them to open their hearts to the gospel. As Harry said, we support, you support, 39 kids at Bethany, and some of those kids are going to make a difference for that entire country. You are making differences not only in individual lives, but potentially in the direction of an entire nation. Again and again, you've been faithful and generous in your giving, and I want you to know that I appreciate that, the Lees in Kenya appreciate that, and that you are making a difference in the kingdom of God. It's such an encouragement to me to see you so excited about the work and your eagerness to contribute to it. And there will be more opportunities for those of you who want to contribute more regarding the work in Lamu, and I'll let you know about those details as they become available. Lastly, let me just thank the families of the team this year. I know it requires enormous sacrifice for people to go, but I also know it requires enormous sacrifice for you to release people in your family to go, to balance work and children at home without your spouse. Not only do the people who go have to take off time from work, but sometimes the spouse also has to take time off from work to take on the additional responsibilities at home. So I know that it requires an entire family, and sometimes I know you get other people in the church to help you with some of that. So I want to thank you for supporting your family members who were able to go. In 2016, on our last trip, our last trip Akemi was the first mom to go on a trip to Kenya. And this year, we had two moms. As Diane said, I think moms are uniquely qualified for this trip. I know it's especially harder for mothers than fathers to go, for wives than husbands, but I'm asking the husbands and fathers of this church to step up next year and encourage and enable your wives and mothers to go. I'm praying for at least four mothers to go next year. And I want you to join me in prayer for that and for Kenya. And this is my challenge to all of you. I want all of you to pray about whether or not you should go next summer. Don't just dismiss the idea because you have a lot of good excuses. Don't start with all the reasons why you can't go. Just start praying. Just start praying. If God says, no, I don't want you to go, fine. But start praying about it, and let's see what God will do. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you, uh, again, just for the experience, an opportunity to witness, to bear witness, the work that you are doing uh, in Kenya uh, through the dedication, really, of, of one couple who said, yes, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to participate in that work. And we pray that you will continue to open our hearts 
so that we may continue to participate, to serve and to encourage those who are serving you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now at this time.